Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to a court of fairies and fangirls. I'm Alex. And I'm Sarah. And this is a Sarah J. Mass fan podcast where we are obsessed with her books and can't stop thinking about them or talking about them. So we figured why not record us thinking and talking about it. We're going to break down chapters, go through each book separately, go into character analysis and any thoughts or kind of theories that we have about books, characters, plots, etc. And maybe play some fun games along the way. Exactly. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Um, how are you, Sarah? I am good. I feel like the holidays are upon us. They are. They it's are. Red Cup <laughs> season. It's December. It's dark when we leave work. Like, it's... When we leave and get to, like, I it know. is... It's like, does the sun exist anymore? Sun. Sun. Come back. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My son is learning, I guess, songs at school. Oh, I don't really so know. Cute. But he'll come home and he'll just... If we're if we like say something, I guess he like thinks it's the song. So I was talking about the sun the other day, and he just starts singing "Sun, Sun." <laughs> but those are like the only words he knows. So he just goes "Sun, Sun." And I'm like, "You're so cute," that's but adorable. like that's not the whole song. And it's the same thing for oh my gosh, what was the other one that he was doing? Oh, it was "Row, Row, Row Your Boat." Oh, cute. So he goes "Row, Row," and then he just stops and he like wants you to keep singing. And so I keep singing <laughs> until we get to like "Boat," and he goes "Boat." <laughs> I'm like, "You're like the cutest thing ever," but I cannot. He goes "More," and just like as soon as you finish "More," again, again, and I'm like, "I hate row, row, row your boat now." I hate this stupid song. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Yeah. I was like, in theory, this is adorable and fun, but like after ten times of row, yeah. row your boat, I don't like the song anymore. Yeah. Um, Max doesn't speak, mm-hmm. but he will like kind of sing. Like yeah. he will be like, ah, yeah, to songs, and it's so funny. You want to know what his favorite song is? No, nah, I don't. I don't. You'll never know. guess it. Copacabana. No. <laughs> <laughs> he, when that, when those, when that music starts, like. Duh. He like he starts like shimmying almost like oh as much gosh. as a baby can shimmy. He loves that song when the he's Copacabana, like man. when he's like pissed in the car while we're like driving to daycare. <laughs> I turn that on and it's like this big smile happens. <laughs> and because you can't, I can't really like dance in the car, so I like put an arm up and I'll be like waving it right. in the car. And he'll put an arm up and he starts waving it in the car and smiling and dancing. Copacabana, that slaps apparently. That it does apparently so <laughs> sorry that was a total thought i don't even know how we got there sun 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 the, the stupid sun oh um, life is good life is good um what have you been up to sarah um well so i was in dallas this past week for a work trip you were so. traveling so much i know it's very odd because i never did this before but yeah. i don't mind it because it's 
I actually get time to read and I get yeah. a big bed to myself. And I, I know that's a perk of leaving your child for a few days. I know. <laughs> I know. Bless my husband. He's amazing for watching him. <sighs> um, so I have more time to read. So I just read this um, book that is called Anastasia Ooh. by Sophie Lark. Um, this is actually like not something super new. It came out in 2022. Okay. So last year. So I... It's not super old either. <laughs> I, I know. A year old. I make it sound so old. No, so I've never really... Like, I know I watched Anastasia as a kid. <gasps> so this is like Anastasia Anastasia? This is... Yeah, but it's with <gasps> but it's with magic. <gasps> yeah. How do I read this book? I, I, I don't know. I read it. I think I read it on my Kindle. I think it was on Unlimited. Oh my God. I have to read this. It was so good so like i knew like little bits and pieces of like yeah. the anastasia story but i wasn't like oh gosh fully versed in the history yeah and i loved loved this book i thought it was so good oh my it's gosh. it's a long one but it's so worth it I'm so like it down. i don't know how much um like how historically accurate the stuff that they actually references but i feel like when i was After reading i read it i can tell you yeah <laughs> I, was gonna say, I know you're a big fan of anastasia um but i felt like i don't know if it was like the beginning or the end of the book it was like talking about how she like did so much like digging into mm -hmm. like the bolsheviks and all the history there but i loved how they incorporated magic into Ooh. like this world and like talking about like what is it um bloody wednesday or mm -hmm. what's the historical i can't remember the official name is it, of it right now i forget which day it is bloody sunday whatever it is whatever, like whatever it is but they tie the whole thing into Ma like magic is the reason it happened that's so, so interesting it was so cool so i really 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 liked it um yeah so i would highly recommend it Ooh. i think she has another one another book let me see I, actually now that we're talking about this um i love that anastasia is one of my oh i love it it's so sad i shouldn't say i love it <laughs> those stories if the real life story is devastating yeah but all of the theories about her escaping is like I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, so maybe she doesn't have another one. I thought there was like another, like not the same story. Like I mm -hmm. thought she did another historical one, but it doesn't look like it on Goodreads at least. Um, okay. But yeah, highly recommend. So that's awesome. That's what I read. Cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I finally read How Does It Feel? Ooh, yay. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Um, Spoiler, you guys. We're talking to her next week. Yeah. And... I agree. That ending blew me away. Yes. So um, if you guys haven't read it, mm -hmm. get on it. And we're talking to Janine next week. Yes. So that'll be super fun. Mm -hmm. And then I also, because I'm clearly late to doing my homework, I also recently read One Dark Window. Yes. Which I know you're still finishing, mm -hmm. but we're also talking about next week. Yes. In our mini-sode, we're doing another book talk talk next mm -hmm. week on One Dark Window. So... It's another book that you apparently need to read within the next week. I'm sorry. I know. My uh, list is just ever growing. It's we're doing this to ourselves. I know. Um, but no, both of those books, we'll talk more about them next week. Mm -hmm. So I won't dig in too much. Thoroughly enjoyed. Mm -hmm. One Dark Window also, for me, just it read super quick and I'm very intrigued by it. Mm -hmm. It's not like like there's a romance element, but it's not the point right which sometimes i enjoy i enjoy that too that. It's, it's a duology yeah correct? it's a duology okay. so. i love duologies i'm so here for the duology moment the trilogies Just are killing me knock them out yeah 
One, two. Bing, One, bang. two. I know. <laughs> yeah. And also I will do little announcement corner. Um, our Patreon members picked One Dark Window. They did. So if you were like, why do they choose these books for Book Talk Talk? Well, our Patreon members chose them for us. They do. Yes. So if you want to be involved in picking, sign up. Check it out. It's mm-hmm. one of the many things we do. Yes. Um, speaking of announcement corner. Yes. Book club is this weekend. Yes. Another thing our mm-hmm. Patreon fam members picked up because yep. this book club is for those fam members. We're talking Iron Flame. Iron Flame. Let's go. Yes. The good, the bad, the spicy. It's yes. great. <laughs> um, and then also simultaneously that day. Mm hmm. Romantazine. Yes. Our amazing magazine. <laughs> orders are closing for physical copies. Yes. For this first issue. Mm-hmm. So if you want it. Get it. Get it. Yes. After Sunday, it's going to switch over to pre-ordering starting with volume two. Right. So, for the spring issue. Exactly. Now we're still going to keep digital copies open, but like we said last week, we're doing this out of our home mm-hmm. unless anybody picks us up yeah, um, yeah. for if now you, if you know somebody if you want to pick us up Ella. <laughs> um but for now we're doing it out of our home and so this is just the easiest way to go about it so this sunday is your last day to order romantazine mm-hmm. um let's see anything else oh mini sewed this week oh 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 <laughs> oh you guys this was epic you don't even know yeah so we were were gonna tell you but yes so we were (laughs) you know doing all of our author interviews and alex and i were prepping like what should we do for mini sets this season since we're kind of just it's a conglomeration of everything yeah and we're like oh maybe talking theories and i was like what if what if we reach out to the one and only emily's theories and we did and we did and she answered and we talked to her oh my gosh she is phenomenal first off she's like the loveliest human and she has an australian accent so it was just like doubly pleasurable i love listening to her speak i could listen to her speak all day every day yes she's brilliant too she what did she say she was a psychologist Mm -hmm. like yes girl brilliant brilliant Mm -hmm. so clever she we talked to her about how she got into sjm theories how she comes up with theories some of her favorite theories Mm -hmm. some new theories probably the most like mind-dropping theory like i've ever heard like i'm reeling and i'm convinced what she said is truth so i i believe everything she tells me in all honesty i all those theories that like the major ones that we've discussed yeah i totally believe them but yeah. when she said this i was like oh no she's right like 100 percent. like i am in like sjm she's so tricky with her words and emily and her friends are brilliant yeah brilliant it's pretty so, epic you need to listen yes. absolutely need to listen check it out it's a talking theory with emily's theory mm-hmm. ah! okay last but not least author this week yes another tiktok superstar we're talking to hannah nicole Mayer. yes author of assistant to the villain yes she was lovely she was so much fun she yeah she was she was absolutely hilarious mm-hmm. and her book was hilarious yes. and it was just all around a delightful conversation. It was. Um, listen to her talk through the adorable little frog and how that came to be. Yes. The story, how she came about this, how it started from TikTok, all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. We di- we dig into all of it this week with her. Yes. Um, hi, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. 
We have another incredible episode to share with you today. We are interviewing the incredible Hannah Nicole Mayer, author of Assistant to the Villain. Um, She wrote one of our favorite books of the year. It's been so much fun to read. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so we want to kick this off by just like getting to know you a little bit more. So Sarah and I love personality tests. So like, if you know your Hogwarts house, like tell us, it feels like an easy way to get to know you, but just tell us a little bit more about like who Hannah is. Yeah. Yeah. So my Hogwarts house, I'm a Hufflepuff. I took the test like so many times because I was like, really, I really wanted to be a Slytherin. I was like, (laughs) I want to be like that cool, but I'm just not. So I think Hufflepuffs are cool, though. Don't let anyone fool you. Like, so yeah, I, I kind of match up with that. I'm very like soft hearted person. I want to be tough, but I am like, so sensitive. Um, I try but I you know what I would like that about myself that I'm soft, because I think I notice things that, uh, that other people might not always notice because I pay attention. Mm-hmm. And I'm very aware. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm always so bad at get to know you. I always like blank on, I'm like, who am I? I don't even know who I am. Uh, yeah, I like, I love humor. I love comedy, like in anything. It's how I cope with the world. So anything that involves those things makes me incredibly happy and joyous. Um, I have a cat named Daenerys. Uh, or Danny for short. I got her uh, right before season eight of Game of Thrones came out. When it all blew up. <laughs> uh, yeah and I was like when that show ended I looked at her very differently I was like you did some stuff like <laughs> that season <laughs> some stuff happened I was like you're still my queen but but we need to talk <laughs> uh, yeah so I'm a, I'm a big animal lover I love cats dogs birds like fish literally all the animals uh bring them all to me uh, yeah <laughs> I have three brothers <laughs> yes yeah I have a really big family that I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with I think mean, like freakishly close with my family we all live within like five minutes of each other except for uh two of my my brother uh lives in orlando and then uh, my one cousin lives in upstate new york just for their jobs um but everybody else lives really really close together um i'm half syrian so we're kind of like the epitome of uh if you've ever seen my big fat greek wedding yes uh, that's pretty much my family but we're syrian So yeah, we're all like incredibly, incredibly close, always eating amazing food. It's a pretty good, it's a pretty good deal. I'm pretty happy with that. That's amazing. Yeah, did your, did your family get a, get a sneak peek of the book? What did they think? Uh, yes. Yeah, so actually not like a super sneak peek. Uh, when I got the box in, I wanted to wait till it was like completely done being edited. A couple of my friends got to read it, but that was mostly for critiques and like, advice while I was doing it. Um, but as soon as I got the box in of uh, all the books from my publisher, my parents both had like a speed read to see who could read it first. <laughs> and I think, uh, yeah, so and there was my mom one, my dad was like pulling ahead. And she's like, he's not being fair, because he's reading at times that I can't read. And uh, yeah, yeah. So they were they're all like incredibly excited and super proud. And I have an amazing support system. I'm very, very, very fortunate. Um, yeah, they're great. They, they're very excited. That's amazing. Um, well, so being an author is like, I feel like such a challenge in today's age because there's just 
between like market saturation, but also like trying to get into it, it's a huge deal and undertaking. So it takes a lot of like focus to be able to do that. So what's, what inspired you to be an author and to keep going and to write this book? I think because I have such terrible focus, um, this is the one thing that I can focus on reading and writing. And um, I have issues with attention deficit. And that was actually something I found out way later in life. But growing up, I just thought I was like inattentive and I wasn't a good listener. Um, And I was like, God, I can't pay attention in class unless I'm like really excited about what they're talking about, even when I like really, the more effort I would put in, sometimes it would seem like that would make it worse. Like the harder Mm. I was trying to focus, the more difficult it would be. But the thing that always kept my attention and held my attention was stories. Mm. Anytime there was a story time in school, or anytime it was like bedtime, and my parents were telling me stories before bed, it was like the most engaged I could be with something. Um, And I've always been like that with stories, whether it be movies or later in life I found books books were initially hard for me because you have to sit down and focus on a page and movies are kind of just something that happens to you and you consume um but with books it was a little bit more difficult for me to focus but when I I discovered like hyperfixation <laughs> uh sort of by accident uh with the Percy Jackson series uh I was mm. in sixth grade and I sat down with one of the books and I was like I'm just gonna read like 10 pages And I read like 150 pages in like an hour. And it was the fastest I've ever read. And I had read for school, like on and off, but not books that I was like, it was like, just going through the motions. It was the first time I had read a book and I could see it while I was reading it. Like it wasn't just words on a page. It was like a whole world was opened up and it like blew my mind. Um, And from then on, it was books, reading. Um, They've always been a part of my life. But that was like a really pivotal moment for me where I was like, God, I want to do this. I want to make people feel how this made me feel. Um, And I've always been a storyteller. Um, I've always wanted to tell stories. It was something that uh, my parents implemented a lot when I was a kid. They would like tell me a story. The big one was Larry the Beetle. My dad made that up. He Mm -hmm. lives under our swing set and he has adventures. And every night before bed, we would make up some stuff in his adventures. And I always got to take part in like what Larry would do next. Mm -hmm. So anytime I consume a story, I always have in my head like, ooh, I want this to happen next or I want to do this. And then it occurred to me that if I write my own story, whatever I want to happen can happen. Um, And that's sort of like how I fell in love with it. And uh, being an author was like something I wanted to do since I was like nine years old. I like always wanted to write stories and then I fell in love with reading. Um, And it kind of all happened in waves as I got older, but uh, it was always something I really wanted to do. So it's like, I say it's a dream come true. It sounds so cheesy, but it literally is like such a dream come true. Like I want to tell like my little, little me that like wanted to do this. I'm like, we're doing it. It's happening for real. (laughs) Yeah. It's so, it's so amazing. That's amazing. On a side (laughs) note, I am so late to the game, but I had, I've had my Percy Jackson moment just in the past year. Like I finally oh, sat down amazing. and read it and I was like, why did it's I never too late? It's never too late to have your Percy Jackson moment. Everybody should have their Percy Jackson moment. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Amazing. Amazing. It's so amazing. <laughs> Uh, so transitioning to your book. So when we read the description, it said the office meets once upon a time. And I love the office. Like it is, it is my show. It is my go-to, my, yeah. my everything. Um, and so I saw this, I was like, 
it could be the worst book ever written and I automatically love it. Granted, yours was not the worst book ever written. I loved your book. I loved it. But like that was my mentality. I was like, anybody that can combine the office and storytelling, like fantasy is is genius. And you did such a phenomenal job. Like I saw the references and like the little pulls from the office and it was just, it was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. Um, And so I just wanted to ask like, who is, has the office always been your show? And like, who is your favorite character? Because I just need (laughs) to know. So I love Kevin. (laughs) Kevin. Okay. The scene, the chili scene with Kevin in the beginning is one of my favorite scenes in the entire show. So it's so, it's such a hard watch, isn't it? But I watch it like, it's like my life's breath. (laughs) I love that show. Um, and I was really stoked when it was, we were talking about it once upon a time used the office because I also love the show once upon a time. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that is just the funniest combination of the two things. Because if you've seen once upon a time, that show is wild. Like it is a wild show. It is the craziest things happen. And I eat it up. I'm like, yeah, that's their cousin and their uncle. And I'm so here for it. Like what's going on. I'm so like snow white. It's a baddie. It's so great. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I love that show so much. It's I love both of them. So like the combination of the two. But Kevin, yeah, Kevin is probably my favorite. It's hard to pick. Honestly, I love Michael Scott just so yeah. much. Like They're so all amazing. Much. I was just like, if she's it's, pulling the office, she has to have a favorite. It's, I love Kevin. I like yeah. just, he just always says things that I'm like, oh, Kevin. Like, the <laughs> <laughs> like, one-liners are just the best. I, they really are. I think he's amazing. And the chili, yeah, the chili scene like really stuck with me. Like that mm-hmm. stayed with me. It's <laughs> one of the most because I felt I'm such an empathetic person that and I get secondhand embarrassment yep. so badly. So that show is also like I'm pausing every five seconds and going, No, no, that's not happening. Like the Michael <laughs> uh the talks. I have a hard time with this show because I'm like, oh the, gosh. The one episode I literally cannot watch is the I think it's the I forget what the name of the episode is, but it's like the Michael and the Tots. Oh episode. my god. I can't watch it. Like it's too so it's too much. I like tried and I was warned about it when I was going through my first watch of The Office and my friend was like, Don't watch this, you won't be able to handle it. And I was like, Why? What happened? <laughs> She was like, it's so bad. Like, he promises these kids he's going to pay for their school. And I'm like, no. So I did watch it. It was honestly, I cried because it was so painful. I was like, this is so bad. I can't take it. Yeah, that show is just absolute artistry. Like, it's just, it is. It's so fantastic. Um, yes, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, a huge tangent. Kevin's no, my favorite. <laughs> I know. It's totally fine. I knew it would I I love love attack us, but it was it was worth it. I needed to know. I love Kevin. Yes, yes. I love Kevin. Uh, but now I'll bring it back to your book and actual content in your book. Uh, so we try to keep it light spoilers, but obviously if you really want to spoil stuff, feel free. Um, we, at this point, people should have read the book. They should so. have. Yes. 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 <laughs> we can say spoiler warning going forward. There might yeah. be spoilers. So just proceed with caution. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you were thinking about Evie, how do you think she grew as a person throughout this book? Um, and how do you think the villain enabled that growth for her? So Evie is like the most extreme form of a people pleaser. Like mm-hmm. this is a people pleaser, but in her most extreme state to the point where it's like, there's bodies on her desk. And she's like, I don't want to be like, make a fuss, but <laughs> there's a body on my desk. And maybe there should. But 
Yeah, I feel like going into this job at the beginning of our story, she Mm -hmm. very much has always taken the role of a caretaker for the people around her. And she's always felt sort of a responsibility to not um, make things so heavy, to make things easier for her sister and for her father and just for her family unit in general. She's always been the person like, let me make this light and easy for everybody and I'll take all the burden and I'll keep it real deep inside that nobody has to see it. And I think um, in working for the villain, in a way, it was a very unselfish choice for her to take that job. It was for the greater good, like for the good of her family, she needed this job. But you can see throughout the story that she loves this job. She mm-hmm. wants to keep it. She has opportunities, not to spoil, she has opportunities to leave the job, but she doesn't want to because it's the kind of the first thing she's really done in her life that feels like this is for me. This is for nobody else but me. I'm enjoying this. I like the people here. I like that I can be whoever I want here. And there's no judgment because we all know that we're not here to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I always do the right thing. So this is kind of her environment to escape who she's been her entire life and kind of step outside of that. And I think you really see that growth throughout, especially in regards to like things with her family and uh, even things with the villain. Like she kind of learns to like have a backbone a little bit and stand up for herself more. And and um, this is something that will continue to develop throughout the rest of the books. But she's kind of starting to come to terms with the fact that, hmm, Maybe my value in life isn't just what I can do for other people. Maybe I have more of a purpose. Um, and I think that's a big, a big, big part of her character development throughout, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I know you mentioned the villain, who's also Tristan, that's his name, um, yes. and family. And we kind of see that Tristan has a very strained relationship with his family, which really made me sad for him. Um, but how do you think like that impacts his choices? And do you think he wants these relationships to change? Or is he kind of happy with the strained relationships that he has? I think that at least in book one, that is not something he would ever admit out loud. Mm -hmm. I think intrinsically as a person, he as a character has always craved closeness and has always wanted it, but he's never known quite how to achieve that closeness with people. You can even see in scenes with him and everybody else, he kind of floats on the outside, Mm -hmm. almost like he doesn't feel like he quite belongs within the group, even though he wants to belong and the group is not discouraging him from belonging with the group. But he sort of his whole life has been made to feel like he's an outsider in his own family. Mm -hmm. Um, And we kind of delve more into that in book two. But you get a taste of that in book one with some of his family relationships. And we get more into the why in book two. But a big part of his character is that he does feel estranged from them. Part of it because he feels like I don't deserve a spot there. I don't belong there. This is who I am. This is who they've always said I am supposed to be. I'm supposed to be evil. I'm supposed to be bad. That's my role in life. I'm not going to stray from it. I think he does still crave it, which is why we see those cracks in the sh- mm-hmm. and we see behind it a little bit and we get little tastes of, if you're bad, then why are you doing this? Right. If you're bad, then <laughs> what's this all about then? And if you don't feel anything for anyone, then why are you doing this? So I think in, he would never say it or admit it, not quite yet at least, but he definitely I think wants those relationships. I think it's just from a perspective of like, he doesn't feel he deserves those relationships. Um, At least not now at this point. And that's why him and Evie's relationship is one of my favorite things Mm -hmm. because they kind of parallel each other a lot with their family dynamics where 
Evie doesn't feel like she quite belongs in the way that she is in charge of everyone and she has to take care of everybody. And Tristan kind of has that as well. But in his mode, he's like, I don't get to be involved at all. Mm-hmm. Like I'm only working on the outside and they don't get to know what I've done for them outside of what they know. Um, that's a little taste of book too. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a yeah. really interesting parallel. Like I, I, now that you say that, I completely see that how they are so similar and yet they handle things so differently. Um, I don't know if I noticed that right away when I was reading the book, but you say that and I'm like, wow, they really are. Those, they're very similar people. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they are. That's probably why they understand each other and get along so well, I'm guessing. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, but so obviously the relationship was a super big part of this book. Was that kind of one of your favorite things to write about or what was your favorite part to write in this book? I think grumpy sunshine is like my favorite <laughs> trope ever. I think it's pretty obvious if you read the book, like this girl's obsessed with grumpy sunshine. I yes. can tell. Uh, it's like, it is one of my favorite things. So when I was creating their dynamic, I, I've always loved the idea of having like a really like supposedly mean mm-hmm. character that's really like evil and stoic and has no feelings and no cracks and a character that just lives to like, almost like, the people that want to get the Buckingham guards to break outside of Buckingham <laughs> Palace. Like, I could, like, the people that are like, I can make them break. I can make them laugh. That's Evie. Evie's yeah. like, I, I'm, I'm on it. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to break him. Like, not actually break him, but you know what I mean? Like, break his character a little bit and make him laugh and try to, like, poke fun at him a little bit and do things with him that people are normally too scared to do, mm-hmm. which is why he finds her so refreshing because she's not afraid to be like, are you good? Like, are you sleeping? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Like, are you, are you having a bad day? Maybe don't push the intern off the roof again. Maybe don't do that. Maybe that's not what we do today. Um, she's, she's not afraid of him. So yeah, I feel like their dynamic was definitely one of my favorite parts of like writing the book. All of their back and forths were mm-hmm. so funny to me. And a lot of it was really like a come to fruition moment for me because so much of like the skit series, which a lot of the book stuff came from like the TikTok skit series I originally did. Um, it's just like Evie, me, mm-hmm. like acting as the assistant, yelling at someone. The villain's totally behind the camera. It's totally not a wall or a chair that I'm yelling at that's empty. And there's totally someone there. I don't want to break the magic, but it's <laughs> it's you imagine what they're saying back when she says like her one line. And this was like me finally being able to put like all the banter I had in my head that they were saying back and forth on paper. So a lot of stuff that I was like, I need to like write this down right now. <laughs> I was able to finally do it with them. So like every scene they're together, I'm happy. I'm like, and whenever they're apart, I'm like, this is annoying. And I know it's necessary, but why? So no. Yeah. I see that. And I think, I think Evie's great. And the fact that she wants to see the best in everyone is, is so sweet. Um, and do you like along that line, do you think she was right in keeping Blade's secret and accepting the negatives that kind of followed? Or do you think it would have benefited her at all to tell Tristan, you know, right away what she found? I think that she, in her mind, he was going to find out because Mm -hmm. she told Blade, you have to tell him like, it's, I think if she had been confronted with him being like, I can't tell him, I'm never going to tell him. I think she may have made a different decision about that. But in her mind, he's going to find out. And it's better that he hears it from the person that is involved in this than hearing it from me. 
Um, and I, I don't, I think it would have been out of character for her, honestly, to go right to him because she is such a loyal friend and mm-hmm. she does love Blade. Like he's one of her best friends. So she feels like a certain loyalty to him. Um, I think if she had approached it differently, it would have Blade would have had to have handled things differently. But in her mind, he's going to tell him he's going to know. Mm-hmm. And until then, I will just focus on something else and then he will find out and it won't be hopefully a big deal. Maybe I'll mediate it. Maybe it will be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately that is not <laughs> how it goes down uh, because it wouldn't be maybe as quite as interesting that way. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it kind of was a test for their, uh, their relationship mm-hmm. um, and the trust in their relationship. So uh, yeah, I feel like she did the right thing for her, the mm-hmm. thing that felt right to her, which is her loyalty is one of her biggest assets. Um, and I think that uh, that carries into not just romantic relationships it carries heavily into her friendships even people that she claims she doesn't consider a friend, she's incredibly loyal to. And um, yeah. Cough, Becky, cough. Cough, Becky, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Um, No, that's great. So I know we had talked a little bit about Tristan and his family dynamics and how you kind of mentioned like, is he good? Like there was little hints dropped. And I know, you know, some of the things where he was, he doesn't like his cauldron brew black, but he pretends that he likes it. So he's not hurting Edwin's feelings. And then he's got his little friend Kingsley, who I adored this little frog that can only hold up the one side. Literally. I know he was the best little side character. So freaking funny i love him so much he's yep. amazing i need yeah. a king in my life yeah uh, even just like the dragon being named fluffy the fact that he stole the name from evie i thought was so cute <laughs> that he like told yes. blade to name the dragon that uh so he definitely he's a softy inside is what i'm yes. gathering from him he's mush he's he, mush yeah. <laughs> like, yes absolutely <laughs> Um, and obviously this seems to contrast who everyone else knows him to be as the villain. And like, even the power that he has is such a unique power in the fact that he can like target people's weaknesses and attack there. Um, so how do you think, you know, he deals with having such destructive and powerful magic when internally he really is a big softy? Yeah. So we're actually going to get more into this in book two, which is great. Um, so this is a big exploration point for him in book uh, too, but in uh, book one wise, it makes sense because he he feels he's been told by many many people, and not to spoil the end, but like one person in particular has told him that he really trusted and thought like believed in him, um, and this person told him, no, you're destructive, and this is your power, and his power really only affirms that. Like mm-hmm. it, he's like, well, they're saying this, and I could tell myself that's not true. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be that person. But this is, but the power part is true. My power is destructive. It's made to hurt people. Mm. So how could I possibly be a good person when my power is made to uh, cause pain and and hurt other people? Um, Now he, but that's part of like the vision of how he sees himself and and how he sees his power. Um, And I can't spoil stuff for book two, but there's going to be more (laughs) stuff with his power and more stuff with kind of how he manages his power. Um, But it definitely affects the way he views himself. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though he does those things, like those soft things where he shows that he cares, um, 
he doesn't think those things matter because Mm -hmm. I could do, in his mind, he could do everything right, but he's still always doing it wrong. So he might as well just be wrong all the time and do the wrong Mm -hmm. thing all the time. And Evie is kind of the opposite where she wants to do the right thing all the time because Mm -hmm. she, in her mind, if she's perfect, then people will still love her and want to be around her. And if she does the right thing for everybody. So again, that parallel between them kind of comes into play where she is striving for that and he's given up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, because I can't be that. I would like to, but I can't. That's not who I am. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's not who he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Evie and kind of her always doing what other people want and doing the right thing. I think we kind of see the one time where she didn't do the right thing, at least in the eyes of others, was with Otis Forsen, the blacksmith. Um, so her father and him struck a deal without her knowledge, which the whole thing at the end was a total twist. And I was completely, My mind was completely I'm blindsided. I'm so glad. I was worried it was too obvious, but everybody's no, been saying they're no. good surprise. So I'm glad. Yeah, I will totally, <laughs> I will totally spoil it, but it was a fantastic surprise at the end. Um, Thank you. And well, so I just mean, doing- a depressing surprise, but a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not the best news for her, for sure. But such a betrayal, but it, you know, it, I feel like it was the one time Evie stepped up and was like, no, like I absolutely refuse to be with somebody that's going to, you know, try to attack me like that. Um, okay. How do you think that impacts her ability to trust others in the future? And like, obviously, maybe we'll see this more in book two, but do you think the betrayal and possibly like what happened with the blacksmith impacts her ability to trust other people? I think we will see that in mm-hmm. book two, but in maybe not in the way that you think. Um, and that's what I'll say, but for, yeah, I, it will definitely affect the way that she views other people, particularly though, this is a person that she was, is supposed to be able to put, this is her parent. Like mm-hmm. she's supposed to be able to put all of her faith in this parent. And she has spent like years of her life taking care of this parent and making sure that he's taken care of because she thought that this was the right thing. And this is what I'm supposed to do. I want to be a good daughter. I want to be good to uh, the person who's taking care of me my whole life. Um, and in, in her story, he's supposed to be a hero. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the person that's supposed to be her biggest hero, her father, is actually her the villain in her story, it turns out. So that's going to kind of play into how she's starting to see the world. Um, and if, as a reader, hopefully, at least from a writing perspective, I hope this is how it reads, where we start to question, like, what does it mean to be a villain? And what does it mean yeah. to be a hero? Because in her father's mind, he he was doing what he was supposed to do. He did the right thing in his mind. But the right thing took away the trust of someone he's supposed to care for and love. Mm-hmm. Um so it will definitely affect how she views people that she thought she could trust. Mm-hmm. Um, more things are going to come out in book two that are going to make her question that and her family and uh, more things with, yeah, we're going to get more family background for Evie in the next mm-hmm. book. Um, and it's really going to affect uh, how she carries herself with other people. Um, and it's going to make her lean more on people that she does think are trustworthy, um, people that she wouldn't normally lean on. Uh, so that's yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's great. And I mean, you make such a good point. Like, you, like villains and like 
the good guys, like it's not always as clear as we think it is in our heads. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it's always good to see other people's perspectives. So I think even though it was a betrayal for Evie, like it's interesting that from his perspective, it was like the ultimate like sacrifice and good deed that he could have done. So I think it brings, it kind of sheds light on the fact that nothing's as black and white as we think it is. Yeah, it's super true. Yeah, absolutely. And the whole point too is like, more like gray what does that mean mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah and with her father it was it, it was like the ultimate betrayal for her so it really is going to impact her for sure going forward yeah. and i think i mean i know you said the grumpy sunshine is your favorite trope i don't know if i've ever done a morally gray not love interest trope yeah. before like this might have been the first time that i read something where i think of her father as a morally gray character but it's not the typical like morally gray love interest trope. So I think it's a unique right. take on a morally gray character, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's interesting. And well, you kind of learn more about him in book two, but in regards to him too, like we're reading from Evie's perspective and mm-hmm. I'm like, he's the worst. Why would he? And I wrote it and I was like, God, <laughs> he's awful. And in, but like the best villains and right. He's supposed to be a hero, but the best villains are the ones that in their eyes, what they're doing is fine. It's not mm-hmm. fine. It's wrong and terrible. And what he did to her is wrong and terrible. We can look at that and go, you're a terrible person. In his mind, that's what he, that's the, for the greater good, for the crown. He made, he sacrificed like a relationship with mm-hmm. his own daughter for, for the sake of the greater good um, and what that means. And that that is really what affects Evie's view on what it means the greater good what does that even mean and she's going to definitely explore that in book two for sure yeah well let's take a little step back from the book and just talk about like writing in general um this is is this your this is your first novel right yes yeah (laughs) huge accomplishment um what advice would you give someone who's wanting to write and publish a book I think, and this is, it's so, it's the cheese ball advice that really is the truest advice. And it's, it's write what you want to read. Mm. I've heard that so many times, but it's so true. Like, I think, um, I, I've been caught up before in like what I should write and what I think people would want to read versus like what I want to read and what I like and the things that I love are like, quirky fairy tales and funny, like fairy, like, lightening things in a way that makes them easier to bear. I I think I mentioned at the beginning, I love humor. I love comedy. I think those things and those elements and stories make a huge impact for me. Like when a characters have like witty back and forth, it will make the whole book for me. I'm mm-hmm. like, that is so funny. Or if they do something ridiculous where you're like, how did they get into this situation in the first place? It's so much fun. And I grew up on movies like, Ella Enchanted, the book yes. as well is fantastic, but the, they're obviously the movie and the book are very different. <laughs> um, Stardust, uh, The Princess Bride, like witty, quirky fairy tales were always what I loved. And it didn't occur to me that I could write a book that's in that same vein where mm-hmm. it, it has some stakes. There's some stuff going on, but it's also really funny and ridiculous um, and fun. And that was what... so. That was the most fun I've ever had writing anything. And I've written a few manuscripts, but this was my favorite thing I've ever written. And I had so much fun, whether it was like 
published or not, when I was sitting and writing it, I was like, this is the most fun I've had creating anything ever. And I want, I never want it to end. Like I'm having so much fun. That's why I'm like diving into book two now. And I'm like, I missed this. Like I'm having so much. Um, yeah, I think write what you love, like genuinely think about your favorite story elements. Like, what do you like in stories? I like fairy tales. So I wrote a story that has kind of a twist on a fairy tale. I love comedy. I love humor. I implemented those elements as well. I love Grumpy Sunshine. Write a story that you love because when you edit it, you have to read it. 20 million times. And that's not an exaggerated number. I didn't just make that up. That's true. You do have to read it 20 million times. And it's it's good because the more you read it, the more things you can iron out and fix. And, and editing is so, so important. But you will have to read it a lot during mm-hmm. the editing process. So writing what you love, right, taking inspiration where it comes. I think that don't force it. If it doesn't feel right, mm-hmm. try something else. Like even take a break and do a writing exercise with something silly and something fun. Um, yeah, I, I really do think the advice though, rate what you love is like very impactful because I think that too often we all get caught up in, well, what should I write? What do you want to write? Write what you want to write. Because often I find at least when I'm really excited about something, it makes other people excited because mm-hmm. we all want to be excited. It's, it's normal and it's human. And when we see someone being excited, I get excited yeah. and vice versa. So write what makes you like so passionate, it really carries over, I think, into the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, write what you love. It's simple advice, but it's I think it's really, really true for sure. I, I love that. And I could totally sense your like energy in the book. And it's mm-hmm. so funny because there's there's that commentary on the other side where people are like, just like read, read what brings you joy. Like I think we all went through a phase where it's like, I have to read nonfiction and grow and do this. And it's like, no, I just want to have fun and I want to escape and I love grumpy sunshine or whatever. It's like, I just want to enjoy it that way. And I think we've learned that on that end a little bit. So it would make sense that it's on the writing side as well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, lots of books in this world, obviously, if you're a writer, you're a reader. So who are some authors that you really admire and have loved reading? So I, I'm going like, I have this amazing group of friends, um, and most of them are authors, if not uh, aspiring authors. And uh, they're they're all, I think, the most amazing people. And it's really fun having author friends because when you read their stuff and they hurt you emotionally, I have their phone number. I can call and yell at you. And I've done that. I literally have like videos that I sent to them while reading their books because they I, the amount of emotional turmoil that my own friends have put me through with their books is insane. And I'm like, why stop doing this to me, please? I thought you liked me. Like, what did I do to you? <laughs> so, uh, and author, I admire all of them. I think they're all amazing. Uh, one of my uh, dearest friends, uh, Stacey McEwen, is the author of uh, the Ledge trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. Second book comes out, um, I believe, September. I want to say it's September 14th, or if not September 15th. I think it's the second week of September. Um, and because I'm, I'm fortunate enough to know her, I got to read an arc of her book. I admire her so much, not just because I think she's an incredible storyteller. She crafts an incredible story. I'm very in it. Um, and it's one of those types of writing where you're so emotionally involved, like you're so emotionally involved to the point where I was like, I was sobbing when I read her last book and I was sending her videos and I was cursing at her. It wasn't like cute. Like, Oh, you wrote such a good book. I was like, we're not friends anymore. Like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. (laughs) Um, But on top of that, 
she's also a mom to two kids and mm. she juggles another job on top of it. And while wow. she does that, she's also crafting these unreal stories. Um, so I, every day I'm like, why are you friends with me? You're so cool. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Um, so I'm, I feel like ever any, all authors, I admire them all because it's such a personal thing to sit down and write a story and put it out into the world. And I think anyone that does that is a superhero. Um, my entire friend group of authors is amazing, but yeah, I think Stacy is just an absolutely incredible person because not only is she crazy talented, to the point where I'm like, so in it, like I'm thinking about the book now and I'm like, do I reread it? <laughs> do I read it again? She's amazing. And she, and she juggles so much on top of that. And on top of that, she's also just like an incredible person. So mm -hmm. I think yeah, I'm plugging her so much because I just think she's like absolute best and her books are, <laughs> ow, but they're so good. But they, ah, <laughs> like amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Le ledge is on my tbr it's it's on the shelf so like oh I'm, I'm extra psyched you will, you will love it um just be ready because you're gonna want book two as soon as you finish book okay. one I, you won't you won't have to wait the way that i did you won't have to wait so that's good but i was like yeah if you if you get let me know i'll send her messages for you it is it is nice to be able to complain <laughs> why did you tell me to read this yeah, it's it's fantastic it, it was one of those books too that i read um i have up and downs with mental health um i've suffered with it since i was really really little um but depression is one of the things i deal with and so sometimes i'm i have that numb feeling that's really hard to overcome and get excited about something um, and I got to beta read her book and it was the first book I was like able to sit and focus on in a really long time. And I like laughed, I cried, I felt like so deeply. So it's one of those books that just makes you feel. And when you're coming from a perspective where you're not feeling super deeply, yeah. it was just an unreal book. Like it really, really was just amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Loved it. Um, so book, book two, is this a trilogy? Is it, is it more? So, it, so it's plotted for three books. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, book two, I'm already enjoying writing more than book one, which I did not think would be humanly possible because I had an, like, I feel like an amount of fun that I wasn't allowed to have. Like it was almost too much where I was like, somebody should be like monitoring me and making sure that I'm not giggling too much because I was like hunched over cackling like this <laughs> at my laptop and I looked insane and my mom would be like your back is going to be so much because I would literally be hunched over like a bridge <laughs> troll and she'd be like stop doing that or your back's going to be messed up and I'm like I'm in the flow like leave me alone <laughs> leave me be so, yeah. Do you have any hints about book two or like, do you have an yeah. idea? Yeah. So book two, um, I think I talked a little bit about Evie's development and how it's going to continue in book two. Uh, we're definitely going to see her tap more into uh, her villain side mm. um, and kind of see her evolution from there. Um, and unlikely, uh, some unlikely things happen. Uh, something that I really like, love about book one one of my favorite things in any form of fiction is when two uh female characters start off like really not liking each other and not vibing and then like become like each other's ride or die 
Like that's my favorite. Like I love slow burn with friendships too. It's my favorite. <laughs> like I not just romantic relationships. I love it. So we may, maybe see some more friendship development between Evie and another character that she might butt heads with a lot. Um, but this is a character that I love like a whole lot. Like I have a special, special place for this character. So I'm excited. We're going to get more backstory um, with some of the side characters. There may be some other character POVs mm. just besides Evie, just Evie and the villain. So we might get some other perspectives, some side romances might come Ooh. to fruition in book two. Um, yeah. And we're going to get more on Kingsley and Yay. yeah, more, more backstory on Kingsley and yeah, the whole gang, you're really just going to get more of all the characters and their backgrounds. We got a little bit of all of them, but it's just going to expand. Um, and some of the characters and the loose ends that we have in book one not might not necessarily be tied in book two, but they're going to kind of string through book two. Um, yeah. Kind of so, a little taste. Do we have timing ideas at all? So I think right now it's slotted to be like one released each year. Okay, cool. Um, yes. So I believe I don't have a definitive timeline yet, but I, I think you can expect it around the same time next year, which I love because we're going into like spooky season. And I think that's it's just the perfect spooky season vibe. I'm like villains. Mm-hmm. There's a frog wearing a crown. It just feels <laughs> perfect for spooky season. And I love spooky season. So it I'm like, okay, perfect. it'll be something I look forward to yes. uh, every year at spooky season. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you for sharing yourself and your book with us. Um, Where can people find you if they want to connect with you more? So I I think I'm the most on TikTok and Instagram. Same user everywhere, Hannah Nicole May. I am on YouTube. Some of the episodes from Assistant to the Villain are actually uploaded to YouTube. I'm trying to dedicate more time to that. Also at Hannah Nicole May. I am on Twitter. I never go on Twitter. I, I like... I, I sometimes check, I forget. So my most active apps are for sure uh, Instagram and TikTok. I'm trying to be better about the other ones, but my attention span is this big. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, when Reels came out, Sarah and I were like, we can't. We can't do another. We cannot yes. do another. It's, it's overwhelming. But then you feel like you you get FOMO. Like you're like, no, what is no. everyone doing on there? What am I just <laughs> I think Reels was really short-lived. So it was like, whoo, we dodged that one. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Hannah, we're so grateful to have had you. Um, y'all check out Hannah's book and her TikTok and all of the incredibleness. Assistant to the Villain should be out when this interview is coming out. So check it out. And Hannah, thanks again. Thank you guys for having me. I had so much fun. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to y'all next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to A Court of Fairies and Fangirls, a Sarah J. Mass fan podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and let us know what you think. Check out our Patreon for more ways to support and connect with us for as low as $1 a month. You can also find us on Instagram at, at @fairiesandfangirls. Jump in on the conversation, and we look forward to chatting with you more next week. Bye! Bye!